The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of First United Methodist Church in Beaumont, Texas. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to love your city with the heart of Christ. Let's pray together. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. Our rock and our redeemer, our help and our hope, our strength and our salvation. Amen. What had happened was, that's how it's going to begin. Chapter four takes a sideways turn. Because in chapter four, what had happened was, is that Jonah told God, I told you so. I told you you love people. I told you you're merciful and quick to forgive. I told you you're slow to anger. I told you that you weren't going to blow up the Ninevites like I wanted you to. <laughs> I, you know, have you ever had a day like that? <laughs> Just ask me. I, 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 I have. I have. You probably know that already. And then, and then Jonah went out of the city and built a booth to see what would happen. And he sat there. Hmm. Under the booth, waiting. Was God really going to be merciful and forgive him? Or was God going to blow him up like he told him to tell him? Now the, the, the high-powered scholars say that the Jonah story is like some stories that Jesus told. You remember the workers in the vineyard? When some of the workers got picked up at the very beginning of the day and they bore the brunt of the labor all day long? And then three hours later, they picked up more workers and three hours and three hours and three hours. And, 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 and so when, when everybody worked, they got in line to get paid. And the people who worked one hour got a full day's wage. And the people who worked four hours got a full day's wage. And the people who worked seven hours got a full day's wage. And so the people who had worked all day long thought, yeah, we're gonna get rich today. And they got a full day's wage and they were mad. And the owner of the vineyard said, Simply, do you begrudge my generosity? The other story that they compare it to is the prodigal God. And, and we're not used to hearing it as the prodigal God, but prodigal means spending lavishly to the point of absolute wastefulness. And so we put that on the, the younger son. But we could also put it on the older son. But really, it's about God who spends love on both children, on all children, to the point that the older son missed it and squandered the love that he lived in all day long, every single day. It was funny to me to read this story again this week and, and to ponder it throughout the week and to think about Jonah's anger, what we might name as righteous indignation, 
and realize God said simply, is it right for you to be angry? God didn't try to convince him of anything else. God didn't try to argue with him in his anger. He just said, is it, and, and, and one of the commentaries I read said, said, what it means literally in the Hebrew is, is this good for you? <laughs> that's, that's where my words come back to me. Um, and I told you they were. <laughs> Repentance is sorrow expressed in changed behavior. And publicly, I need to repent about technology and more importantly, my attitude towards technology and my frustration with it and my anger about it. And I confess that as sin. And I repent of that. And I need your help because it's not going to stop frustrating me because it's not going to always work as I think it should in my mind because my mind is not technology. So if you're near me and I'm working with technology and you see me begin to get frustrated, just pat me on the shoulder and say, it's going to be okay, John. I want to help you change behavior because being angry about stuff you can't control isn't good for you and it's not good for us. Will you partner with me in that, please? I, 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 I. Yeah, you told me so. Thanks, Wolf. So, so let's recap where we've been. Well, we know that God is with us because God is for us, because God loves us. And, and, and we know that when we pray, God hears us and God answers us because and our five words focus the city and our word is love and Jonah is all caught up in this angry about non-religious folks being welcomed into the family of God and it, it, it's what the scholars call the Jonah syndrome the dreaded Jonah syndrome and and I want to read it just like I read it. Whatever happens, contrary to Jonah's will, be it destructive or salvific, be it tremendous or trivial, impersonal or personal, Jonah would rather die than live with it. If things didn't go his way, he'd rather just be dead. Now, we could stop there and deal with that. But we also remember that in the 44 verses of the book of Jonah, the name Jonah is only used 18 times and God is named 39 times. So I think this is all about God, not all about Jonah. And here's the thing, God was as patient with Jonah in his anger as God was patient with the city of Nineveh and their evil. God is the same God for those in the community of faith and those not yet in the community of faith. And here's, here's one thing that we learn from the Ninevites, that no one is so bad that they are beyond the reach of God's grace. No one is so bad. Just like, just like they say, our sin can't separate us. Our past can't separate us. Our failures can't separate us from the love of God. 
Now what we learn from Jonah is that no one is so good that they are beyond the need of God's grace. I'm not going to elaborate on that. I'm going to tell you a story instead. And I probably told it before, but, but I tell it a lot because I want to always remember it. When we were serving in our first congregation, I was an associate pastor in Longview, Texas, and worked with single adults, and they wanted to go down to Newgate Mission, not like our Henry's place. And, and, they, and, and, and they wanted to have Bible study with people whose home are the wide open streets. And, and so we picked out some stories from the Bible and we went for a month in July. And every Wednesday night we had supper and then we studied together. And we were studying the, the lost parables, um, the sheep, the coin, and the sons. And when we got almost to the end of the lost sheep, I don't remember his name, but I'll never forget his voice and his face. He sat right across from the table from me and he said, Pastor, you are in more danger of being lost in that downtown church than I am out on the streets because I know I'm lost and you don't think you can get lost. And everybody started running on to the next parable. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up, stop that train and back up. We need to hear this. I need to hear, I don't know if y'all need to hear it, but I need to hear it again. I am in more danger of being lost in that downtown big church if I don't remember that I can get lost. I can lose my way. We all need God's grace, each and every one of us, each and every day. So how do we combat the Jonas syndrome within us? How do I combat my anger over technology? I ask for help first, but I try to be as patient with others as God is patient with us. I try to be as patient with others as God is patient with us. You see, God's chief means of being present to the world is the church. And how we think about the world and what we say about and to the world and how we interact with the world either presents God favorably or unfavorably. Let's go back to Jonah. He's sitting in his booth and he's mad. And he's waiting to see what's going to happen. And God appoints a plant to grow up over top of him. And Jonah's relieved and glad. From mad to glad. And the next day, God appoints a worm to eat up that plant and sends a sultry east wind. Our sultry winds come from the southwest and the sea. But, but, but a, a worm, a, a plant, a worm, and a sultry east wind, hot and humid. Anybody know anything about that in Baltimore, Texas? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like the hottest day out here in, 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 in all this great southeast Texas area where we, we live where you walk out and you try to take a breath of air and you get a drink of water. <laughs> <laughs> and 
Anybody ever get frustrated with that? <laughs> and, and Jonah got mad about the plant again. And God said, really? Again, you didn't do anything for that plant. You didn't even know it was coming up, and there it was. And you're mad about it? And Jonah said, mad enough to die. And God simply closes the story out with a question, shouldn't I be concerned about 120,000 people and their animals too? You're worried about a single plant, which is a good thing. But really, you're only worried about it because you got hot and lost your shade. Shouldn't I be concerned about a city full of people? The scripture says who don't know their right hand from their left hand, who can't find their way in life, who were struggling just to hang on, who, who are trying to work through grief and pain and loss, who, who, who are trying to make the ends meet from day to day to day, who are trying to raise their families and share family love without fear of violence or hatred or bigotry, who are just trying to make it today. Shouldn't I be concerned about them and though the story stops, it doesn't end because we don't know what happens to Jonah. I, I, I want to hope that, that, that he got up from that booth and he went back into the city and he began to work for the justice in the heart of the city to help the people learn, to help the people grow, to help the people love and continue that radical transformation that had begun with his five-word sermon. I hope that he asked for an audience with the king and said, you put on sackcloth and ashes and proclaimed a fast. Now let's find out how we might feast together in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. So how do we do it? Two real quick things that will probably take the rest of life. Our baptismal covenant comes with a pastoral charge. And when someone professes their faith, is baptized and joins the church, when we celebrate the faith and, and baptism they've already professed and, and, and received, and they join the church, the pastor gets to say to us, do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love. And so I, I borrowed from Rotary, and, and, and their first phrase and, and said, of the things we think, say, and do, will it increase another's faith? Will it confirm another's hope? Will it perfect another in love? And that doesn't mean that we don't tackle difficult topics. That doesn't mean we don't tackle controversial topics. It means that we are intentional in the manner with which we tackle all topics. That the things I think in my head may or may not need to come outside my mouth. <laughs> I hear this at home sometimes. <laughs> and, and Holly says, just like I tell my third graders, just because it pops into your brain doesn't mean that it needs to pop outside your mouth. And I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> 
was an accident. <laughs> so, so what do we do then when, when, when that happens in Christian community? We go back to the next part of our baptismal covenant that says we will surround one another with a community of love and forgiveness. But the burden of the work is upon us in the initiative to think about the things we think before they become the things we say, before they become the things we do. And when, when, when we do that with the aim of building one another's faith, with, with, with the aim of confirming one another's hope, with the aim of helping each other be more perfected in love, I really will be on the right track. The second, the second thing is what we studied in July. Our Father who art in heaven. We, we, we proclaim that Jesus is big enough to hear us when we pray. Amen? And, and we know that Jesus is big enough to answer us when we pray. And we also know that we won't always get what we want, but when we try, we find that we have more than we need. And so praying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, means that sometimes we have to let our will be undone so that God's will might in fact be done. And, and what I believe and am convinced about in community, it's not what I want, and it's not what you want. It's not even what we, when we put our heads and our hearts and our hands together, it's not always even what we want, it's what God wants. And I am convinced that God wants the people of this world to know God in the people of faith. I'm convinced that, that, that God wants everyone that we encounter every day to experience just how patient and pursuing God is. Just how faithful and forgiving God is. Just how loving and listening and transforming God is. And here's the thing, God has appointed us, you and me, all of us, to see that that happens. God has equipped us to see that that happens. God has called us and sent us right here, right now, to show God's love to the whole world. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. God, we give you thanks. And we tremble a little bit when we pray, thy will be done, thy kingdom come. But we ask that you help us be ready for it. We ask that you show us how to live into it and lean into your preferred future for the life of our congregation and community, for our lives in our homes and in our workplaces and in our serving places and in our loving places and in our resting places. 
that we might bring glory to you, that we might lead a faithful life. We pray this in the name of Christ and all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.lovebeaumont.com.